of course. Burl Bearer. <laughs> I've known a few writers who were rogues and vagabonds. And I'm Roger Moore. I didn't supply the microphone. Live from the gleaming, streamlined, state-of-the-art studios of OutlawRadioLive.com, nestled in our secret bunker somewhere in the Los Angeles area, following program is produced by Magic Matt Allen on the Outlaw Radio Network. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to give out your home address. Go right Forget ahead. Forget about the bunker where we are. I want people to know exactly where you live, and I, I don't know why. But it's, That's I'm a just, sick oh, obsession you have. Uh, that's Howard Lapidus, manager of the Star, in the corner over there with a microphone. We try to keep turned off as much as possible as our fact checker, uh, Mark Boyer. I am the legendary Burl Bear. Yes, you are. We got a uh, great guest today, America's favorite shiksa is going to be on the show. <laughs> We, who is that? that? That's Liz Wheel. We dubbed her that. We gave her that title about four years ago when she was on the show. And I wasn't on that show. No, I think it was uh, Don, the late, great Don Wolfman. Yes, yes. Yeah, we, but now, we uh, gave her an award, America's I Favorite. I familiarized system. myself with her, and I'm excited to speak. <laughs> I bet you are. Yes, I am. Uh, Nothing to do with true crime, by the way. But here, here I go again. Uh, yeah, you go. Caitlin Rother joins her. I love so, uh, It's a great uh, combination. <laughs> the book is called Hunting Charles Manson, which I, I read with great alacrity and uh, on magnifying glass. Good book. Very good book. And I'm thrilled to have uh, Liz back on the show. Hello there. Are Hello. you with us? There you are. Hello. Hello. Have I got both yes, of you? We're here. Wow. Two, yes, two, we do. Wow. Two, two true crime hotties, no waiting. <laughs> two broads for the price of one. Yes, we uh, have them. Yes. And if we read all of uh, Liz and Caitlin's credits and... Uh, you know, all the wonderful things about them. We'll have about 30 seconds left for them to talk about the book. Uh, but I think that they'll be happy to hear that, though. <laughs> yeah. They'll happy to hear, to hear their credits. I mean, give a Well, we'll give a, the, the short form. Yes. Uh, Liz is one of the country's most prominent trial lawyers, well-respected legal commentator, and... Uh, <laughs> I think when Bill O'Reilly used to turn her microphone off when she said things that he didn't like. Ah. <laughs> Am I right about that? <laughs> I think I seem to remember you were upset about that last time you were on the show. He's beyond NBC News, NPR's All Things Considered, Fox News, uh, uh, Wheel of Justice. Next, he'll get rich and do Wheel of Fortune. It's a wonderful deal. Uh, Caitlin Rother was nominated for all sorts of things. Uh, best dancer uh, near San Diego. What? Why do you always do this when she's on? <laughs> exactly. Why do you always do that, Burl? Because you're, because you're kind of cute in your own weird way. <laughs> Well, she, that's, well, she, uh, that's she's extraordinarily cute, and both of them are. And I say that, I say that in the in the nicest, of, nicest, most non uh, non non. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't want to find out. Uh, uh, yeah. Thursday, my lawyer calls me and says <laughs> I'm up on charges. But please, there you go. Yeah, Howard smack him. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You notice? Finish the credits. That's oh, finish the credits. Uh, nominated uh, for a Pulitzer Prize by her mother. <laughs> Please, get through the credits. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, <laughs> they're both wonderful, intelligent, uh, gorgeous uh, women with a fine sense of humor and nice yes. wardrobes. And they, they both know what they're in for. Well, they've both been on the show before yes, a couple, three get, times. Well, they get it. <laughs> it's, it's radio. So you notice, notice what a good boy I am this time, Howard? 
<laughs> we have no, two I, two I, famous, beautiful, intelligent women on the show, yeah. and I have yet to ask them, what are you wearing? See, well, there, see, I'm, see I'm getting better. But you well, went well, in through the uh, through, you went through the the other door. I was going <laughs> to say the back door, but that would be a, no, no, more trouble than it's no. worth. Yeah, okay. uh, must compliment you right off the bat, uh, both of you. Uh, on hunting Charles Manson, I actually read it. <laughs> no, I, I'm one of the few people Good. in uh, the, the true crime uh, it's radio the, it's world. The second, that it's the second book he's he's read. read. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't even read my own, uh, <laughs> but I did read the book, and I must compliment you both. Uh, Thank you. Uh, very well written, and Thank what's you. important for today's audiences is easy to read. Excellent. Uh, you could read this like you're reading a yes. fast-moving novel. It captures your attention. It's factual. It's interesting. And it doesn't look like, oh, this is going to be like reading an encyclopedia. No, it's very exciting to read. Good. Uh, yes. So uh, I enjoyed it, even though there's a couple of, uh, you know, I would say bones I want to pick with you, but we haven't dug them all up yet. But uh, I, I, by the way, I would have read it, okay? Now, <laughs> I, I fully admit that I did not read it. It's Howard here. And I, I, okay. I would have done that, except Burl did not tell me that you were both going to be on the show <laughs> until he sent me an email at 3 this morning. I like to keep it fresh for Howard. Now, let me explain to you wait what I was doing at 3 this morning. Wait a second. Wait a second. The headline here is he sent you an email at 3 this morning. <laughs> what, what is that about? We're very close. <laughs> Well, no, it's that, that is not a headline, well, by the way. That, yeah, that, <laughs> something's a little strange about that. Well, I, I I agree with you, by the way, because I was in Ambient Land. Yeah, so the, so <laughs> ambient I have land. nothing to do with <laughs> any emails in the middle of the night, especially from Burl Bear. But I I found out it was there at at uh, I think 10:30 this morning. At which Did point? Did you see Roseanne there? What's that? Did you no, see Roseanne Barr there? In, in <laughs> Ambient Land? Yeah. I, I know her. That's all, a great title I, for a book. Is it, that it, one taken? Yeah, I'll, I'm going to grab that. <laughs> and I do know Roseanne Barr, and I could probably write a book about the, the, my relationship, uh, not, uh, let's let's say, a friendly relationship with her. Not like your 89 days with Paula Abdul. That's another story. Yeah. Okay, let's let's discuss Charlie, shall we? No, let's Excellent. discuss my eighty-nine days. <laughs> no, we don't have yes, time yes, for that. Let's get to that. <laughs> get to that. No, let's get to the Charlie. Yeah, is the show over? Not no. yet. We got another hour. Wait, we just started. <laughs> That's why you're lucky. I think they smoked a little THC before they came on the show today. Uh, they're both very how hungry. Is, how is it that you? Because they're giggling. Oh, yeah. So I want, I'd like to know what oh, kind of a new here? perspective you were thinking to bring to this story that we've heard on Infinitum for the last 50 years. So, in other words, you're starting the show? Yes, because okay. you guys weren't. No, well, <laughs> thanks a lot. So hey, that's a good question. What did you hope to bring to um, this story? Let's go ahead. You no, know, we, we didn't necessarily know. Yeah, we, we, we. You know, this is what you kind of embark on when you when you go into something a, a nonfiction being told. Forty nine, you know, years later, we weren't really sure exactly what we would unearth, what kind of facts we would find when we started this project. But what we really came up with was we we really told the story. We think, um, all modesty aside, a little bit in a different way. We talked about mental health um, and in ways that hadn't really been talked about before. We tried to bring it 
to a modern day analysis of you know why these women followed Manson to this day and you know Caitlin and I talked a lot about you know right now there are women enthralled with the you know Manson kind of cult and mystique I mean not as much now because he's dead but I mean you know all kidding aside that you know, why what, what was it about him that kept him you know, kept them so enthralled with him and, and that they would do things for him and we think that's important because there are people now that are working straight out of the Manson playbook I'll, I'll bring your attention to one right now that I think is very relevant is is Keith Rainier and of course the Nexium sex cult the whole thing you know a sex cult how do how do we join and what are the requirements file. what 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 is a sex cult <laughs> well you guys you know you know you guys are you guys are way past that but <laughs> yeah, I'm too um, old you know, for that but oh, hey, I can hey, remember slow <laughs> slow down <laughs> Okay, young ladies, slow oh, down. Yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. So she just kind of runs a sex cult bias, oh, as you know, like it's just like every day. Let's talk about mental let's, let's talk about mental health. Why, are you I, picking I, on me? I don't, I don't want to talk about the sex cult right now. We'll get to that later because I'll, I'll warm up. But, 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 but you mentioned mental I health. Think, I think I should have, I, I think maybe, maybe I knew that, I knew my audience here because in, Caitlin and I have done shows, you know, radio shows together like this before. I don't think Caitlin, correct me if I'm wrong, but have I ever led with the mental health aspect of one of those? I don't think I ever have. But you know, with this audience, I think that I'm mildly <laughs> insulted. You can't go wrong, man. You can't go wrong with these guys. No, no, you can't go wrong talking mental health and sex cults on our show. <laughs> There's a lot of people in the Manson uh, universe that could have benefited from some uh, professional help. Right. So basically, as women, we approach this like, well, how did he do this to all these women? Because he's a short guy. Yeah. You know, he's, you know, he was kind of mischievous and mirthful looking in these early pictures. But, you know, he's out there. What was it about him that made all these women follow him? So as women, I think, you know, approaching this story, I don't I don't know of any other books you know, there's a lot of books written about Manson, but I correct me if I'm wrong. Other than the actual family members, like Susan Atkins, I don't, I don't know if there are any other books written by two women about Manson. So, you know, that's probably not. Really, probably. So, I think that's pretty unique. So, and also, we we approached it like a cold case. So let's go back and look at all the original source material and see what we come up with that's different than Vincent, you know, Big Head Bugliosi. Because that's basically what I felt when I was reading his book. It was all about him. And it was it was all about, you know, what a great job he did. And I wanted to just re-look at it, re-examine it without that bias. Yeah, I always wondered, did you ever get the feeling so, that someone should have... Uh, uh, got Bugliosi for prosecutorial misconduct. There is, there was a whole case that, um, no. there was a whole case that was about um, a bunch of stuff that he did, um, not during the case, but when he was running for, I think it was um, Attorney General, 
there's a whole like opposition research file that you can find if you Google it, and it's all full of stuff that he did that probably came out you know during the race at the time. I I didn't spend too much time looking right. at it, but it was pretty interesting. It didn't end up making it into the book, but you know there's a lot of people who don't like him. <laughs> well, it's a matter of people like him. I mean, he's very good at what he does. But I even at the yeah. time, uh, the whole helter skelter thing seemed like how is this guy ever going to get a fair trial? With, when right. all this has been out there like it's, you know, factual, when, when maybe it wasn't. I didn't you know. We didn't know. But that was Bugliosi, though. But he, he well, found a way forget, to do it, right? Yeah, that was... That was his Bugliosi had to work with the whole idea of the conspiracy theory. Right, exactly. Right, he had to work... He had, to, he had a case where he had Manson... So we have this guy that he wanted to convict on basically murder. He, his idea was Manson was the leader of this cult. He brought all these women and Tex Watson, who was the actual guy that, you know, wielded the knife and committed the murder and plunged the murder into the throat. Okay. So he had all of that. But he wanted to get Manson. And he believed, and, and the prosecutors believed, that Manson was a ringleader. And how do you get Manson? You can't get him for being there at the scene because he wasn't. You can't get Manson for plunging the knife in the throat because he didn't. So how do you get Manson? You get him on conspiracy. Well, this is before days of RICO, guys. This is before, you know, we had this lovely RICO theory, which now we can bandy around and go, oh, just get him on RICO like you get the drug guys. Just get him on that. This is pre-Manson. This is pre-Rico. So Bugliosi came up with the, the idea of the spokes of the wheel. Now it's, it's taught in every law school, and now we know it. It's so simple to us now. It wasn't so simple then. It had been used before. Conspiracy is old, but it hadn't been used in such a high-profile big case like that, really to this extent, as it was in... But do you think he was working so backwards? It wasn't a slam dunk. You guys hit it right on the head. It wasn't slam dunk. You think he was working backwards, being a prosecutor, starting well, with his vision of of how it would work if this was a conspiracy, and then working backwards. I mean, what if, you know, what if, what if uh, Charlie was nuts but innocent? What if? That is the theory well, that's he out wasn't there. Not by <laughs> the legal yeah. sense. Right. Yeah. Well, no, that's yeah, the problem. Not, and what not, state you're in has different definitions of insanity. Competent. What one at a time will be helpful. Well, that way they, to, they can't see each in. other. I know. I have to step in and be a cop every once in a while. But, okay. be, be, but this is interesting stuff, and 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 a good question, bro. At restate. Okay, remember what fucking what it was. Okay. Are you, I love Burl, doing that. Are to you, him. Burl, Are you asking? Is he? Is he? Is he legally insane? Well, or are you in, Asking is he crazy like a fox? Well, he's crazy, crazy. Period. I mean, he's right. paranoid, schizophrenic, okay. unmedicated for God knows how many years, and of course not now because he's dead. Right. Uh, but at the time, he was unmedicated, and right. well, and already uh, and and uh, using uh, and using a lot of LSD, which, which probably would have helped him somewhat, but he didn't do it with enough consistency. No, it, it probably increased. <laughs> if the, he was already schizophrenic, uh, it didn't help him at all. Yeah. Right. Uh, but the, uh, I keep coming back to this thing with, and this is why I found your book so fascinating. Uh, not only because it's so well written, but the research you did. It's always kept wondering, what if this poor nutcase, Charlie, uh -huh. was railroaded 
by a prosecutor who knew how to spin a great tale. Are you kidding with that question? That's a real no, question. Not. Okay, all right. Okay, well, t- well, take it, take it seriously. Um, that's, that's you know, and we and we did. We looked. We have a we whole chapter on we all. Yeah, exactly. We have a whole chapter on alternate theories. We have a whole chapter on on all of. I mean, we looked at we looked at it from every single angle, and we wrote about it. Um, and obviously, Bugliosi is somebody who wanted to make his make a name for himself. Was making a name for himself. He was a young guy. Uh, and he had this theory, but Charles Manson, Bullios used makeup Helter Skelter. Charles Manson out there in Spawn Ranch was just fine at making up Helter Skelter, finding nanny by himself. <laughs> of this whole idea of being out there and, you know, creating this race war, and his folks would be out there waiting in the desert. So it wasn't Bugliosi that made that up. I mean, Manson was making that up. Basically, the way that I look at it is, you know, he was preaching this helter-skelter thing to his to his family members. Whether or not that was the primary motive is the question. Bugliosi, you know, I mean, you guys know, you've done enough of these shows, read enough of these books, written enough of these books yourselves. You know that just because a prosecutor presents a theory in court and wins doesn't mean that it's the whole truth. It's the way he thought he could win the case. So yes, exactly. There's a lot more going, right? right? So there's a lot more going on. There are other motives. And we discussed those in the book. Mm-hmm. But, but Bugliosi, and I don't mean the alternative theories, I mean also other motives, period, that are, you know, that have come out since and, and, and came out in these parole hearings. And so, you know, we were able to weave that into the story to illustrate what else was going on and in a chronological and a comprehensive way so that the reader can understand this. That's what I love about the book, well, you do that so and, well. And I look forward to reading the book. It, it, is Howard here. The the question I've got is the the controlling of the narrative. It was always Manson controlling the narrative, correct? Which narrative do you mean? Which well, the, the entire or, yeah. Manson narrative was 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 put together uh, was it put together by Bugliosi or was it put together by Manson all along? And was he skilled to be able to do those things in part Part of that skill is how he was able to uh, cr- create this uh, this following. Um, I think Manson was very good at oh, creating well, a narrative. Of course, I mean he yeah. he had his way of looking at it, but it wasn't even an original. It wasn't even original thought necessarily. He pulled from all kinds of other places and and wove them together into this crazy set of ideas and mm-hmm. then he brainwashed people and used fear and intimidation when you say, and when you say and d- d- drugs d- d- and violence d- to beat it into him just like a cult leader he was a cult leader kids kids help me uh, uh, defining right. brainwash how does that work I, I mean we hear the term all the time we think we know how it works i think you guys have a uh, may have a perspective is that a fancy word for convincing well yes it is but even it's more. It, it, I well, I kind of I was kind of just listing it: it's the sex and the drugs and the fear and the intimidation. And when you guys read the book, we illustrate that and and tell it from the women's point of view in in vignettes and in scenes to right. show you exact exactly how he and did it, that. 
Uh, you know, this reminds me of the uh, the the cult. Uh, what's that? Guy? David. Uh, what's his name? The, the, who had all David Correct. Yeah. Then the other one, the one who had uh, Children of God or whatever it was called, Son of Sam. Everybody no, no, named no, no. David. Yeah. Anyone named David is suspect now. They all do that. They all do that. Yeah, but I, I always amazed that they had this. It seems like power. But I think maybe more they're sought out by people who want someone like that. Exactly. Yes. There's uh, there's always those that want to and need to belong to something and believe, to fulfill and their have lives. Tell them what to believe. And and they and when they find acceptance and belonging, they will believe. Exactly. Because it fortifies their need to belong. Mark, you should write a book about Manson. <laughs> He's going to write a book about this show. Yeah. Well, that's what <laughs> our audience will be brainwashed. days with Howard and Burl. <laughs> Which one is the leader of this cult, you guys? Is it Burl or is it Howard? Uh, it's Howard. It's Howard, yeah. 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 <laughs> My name is first on the credits, but it's Howard who runs yeah, everything. control everything. Yeah. That's because he's a show business manager, and they got to be in control. Well, we but, not, no, know, but we control narratives. That's what we do. And part, and, and by the way, I'm not not kidding around. It is part of it, what we do for a living, and it's kind of what Manson was doing uh, to to garner this troop. And I mean, you're there to disagree with me, but it's it's there's uh, there's a certain star quality about manson and, and I, mm-hmm. I i i try not to use that that sentence but i did um but there is uh, there was uh, he that was over uh, there's charisma is one thing but the ability to to use charisma to uh to in in, in engage people to join is 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 a different story i mean there's many he people had that, a, he had a way of seeing what people needed and what they needed to hear and what they wanted to hear and that's i i think personally that's what i think his one of his secrets was is that he would meet a troubled soul you know a lot of them these troubled women and men you know had parent parental issues so daddy issues mommy issues you know and he became he would call them his children and he became like their father except that there was sex involved so it was very twisted and they throw in the lsd mm. and he'd have them believing you know that they were seeing things and he had mystical powers and that he could bring animals back to life and that were dead and you know and he he dressed up like jesus christ and and was you know pretending to be jesus christ and they saw him as jesus christ and it's amazing what you see when you're on lc i would know i've never had it well i took it several that. hundred <laughs> times and i can guarantee i never saw charles manson <laughs> Wait, hang on a second uh, girls uh, and i say girls in the nicest in ways. way yes um uh, <laughs> see, <laughs> gotcha. it's not an insult. Gender is not an insult. I'm going to bring these guys, and they're going to be part of my troop. Yeah, we'll I mean, see. I'll like troop Beverly Hills. I will control them by the end of the show. The, the, but Burl, with your charisma, but, like yeah, you can tell. Uh, man, this guy. Uh, the, I mean. This is not going to be the last book about Manson. I would like to say that it is, and and, and I do look forward to reading it because Pearl did slip me a copy. But but it's wow. Uh, this is a guy that for from most of my lifetime knew that he existed. I remember when the thing happened. Uh, what a day that was. I don't know if you guys are even around for that. I was working the Newswire that night. Were you? Yeah. So, well, I was not too far behind you. And I was seven years old. So okay. <laughs> well, we just did the math. So, so um, She's too young for us. She is. Um, <laughs> wait for me, please. So, so uh, 
Wow. I, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I'm hey, almost speechless when it comes to this guy. I think the key here, and correct me if I'm uh, off base, it's... It's more about the followers than it is who they follow, because they are the ones who are investing him with qualities and attributes far beyond those of mortal men. Then, who, then, then, who was he guilty, or were they? Were they also? They were guilty, but was he guilty? That's a good question. But my question is to these two brilliant authorettes. Authorettes? <laughs> you like that? So, Dan, they, they open at Radio City next week. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm almost ashamed to be associated with the show. Thank get you. out, get out, Mark. Get out. Uh, <laughs> your story is really, to me, as much or more about his followers than him because they're the ones who are investing him with this power and authority it's in their minds i mean as brilliant as i am i doubt i could brainwash either one of you no matter how many issues you have and you both have them so who doesn't oh god nice nice well i mean everybody's got their everyone's got their service you know from service so well i think you're right i i i um Oh, I think we... Wait a minute. I've got Lise here on the phone. Did we lose her? Hello? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I think we All lost right. Lise. Let's bring um, her back because enough with you, Caitlin. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know. Um, do we want to start... Do, guys, do, do we want to try do you want, this? Do you guys take a break? Yeah, we'll take a break uh, and discuss this uh, amongst ourselves if you Why want to call her. Did you lose your... Yeah, she, no, she's we on lost, the other we line. Lo she we must, her call must have dropped on our conference call. Yeah. yeah. So what, why don't we start this again, uh, Matt? They're going to call us back. Uh, I'm going to call so, you back. Okay. Yeah, okay. Let's take a break. interrupting obsession with you 24 hours a day on any phone or device and it's all free just go to your friendly app store and search for outlaw radio then look for the red letters on the sign with the bullet holes in it and download it it's free listen free on the road in your car at the beach or in your backyard it's all free from outlaw radio this is buddy twist saying good night from hollywood Plantains by any other name are still bananas. And now there's a new game in town led by an hombre named Matt. A poker-playing, cigar-smoking, barbecue-eating talker. They call him magic in these parts. And he's made bananas a kind of art form. The kind of talking that makes people sit up and bark at the moon. Don't live his fate. Ordinary just got better. Outlaw Radio with Magic Matt Allen. 
Back to True Crime Uncensored with Burl Bear and Howard Lapidus. And Mark Boyer over there in the corner. Oh, hi, I'm Burl Bear. That's Howard Lapidus. Yes, I am. Uh, have they called back yet? Featuring <laughs> Mark C.G. Boyer. Yeah, we got that squared away. All right, good. Oh, there's women. <laughs> we can brainwash them and have them do our bidding. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, help me. No, 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 help me. Oh, what does it mean? I mean, I mean, come on. What are women get? that easily brainwashed? There's some, you know, four foot nine schizophrenic. Hold on, hold on. You got it completely in reverse. <laughs> We've been brainwashed by women the, uh, since the it's, planet was formed. That's it's correct. a matriarchal society, no matter what anybody says. So is listen, uh, listen, Caitlin, there. Um, yeah, we're here. Oh, go there you are. So do yeah. we get to brainwash you now? Uh, I mean, it comes off to me that women uh, uh, in this conversation, at least, if not in real life, are being portrayed as easily manipulated by a uh, four-foot-nine schizophrenic out in the desert. Now, I've known a lot of women. <laughs> I've known a lot of schizophrenics. And I've been out in the desert. Uh, so you say you know your own kind. Uh, I know my own kind. What was the, what was the horse's name? Just checking. Uh, I had no name. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is just getting so pop. Okay, so he was he was actually not 5'3". So that's one of the myths. Let's right. dispel that. He was 4'9". But he was actually somewhere... Between five three and five seven, you know, you get you shrink when you get older. But I noticed uh, sh significant shrinkage. At five seven, but four nine is a bit of a stretch. I yeah, think. for him it yeah. was. Yeah. yeah, in heels. <laughs> in heels. Yeah, Manson in heels. Great what picture. A, that's a great image. You, I, you're there painting for us today. Thank you. <laughs> I knew I was good for something. Yes. Uh, I just really, I, I guess it's possible to brainwash women, the, the David, uh, this guy and David, that guy, and the children of God, and the, you know, this cult, yeah. that cult, uh, L. Ron Hubbard, and name them and claim them. Uh, but they must come prepackaged. There must be a certain segment of the population that is, like, pre-wired to be sheepish. <laughs> if there's so many yeah. charismatic. That's I, why I, I have so, so many fans in the true crime world. Yeah. Bah. <laughs> Same theory. He actually, he well, actually had them go bah. <laughs> did he really? Did, did he really have them do that? It's interesting that... Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, that was... I, I don't know. I mean, I we're not psychologists, or, so I, 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 for one, don't want to opine on that because I have no idea. Uh -huh. But I will tell you that, it, you know, it's not just one segment of society. It's not like you can say, you know, oh, it's just, um, you know, poor girls from the wrong side of the tracks, whatever that means. This was These are women from all so socioeconomic, um, you know, all socioeconomic uh, tracks. Um, you know, as, as Manson was driving on his little bus going up and down the coast, he was picking up, you know, a librarian, an insurance clerk, and a topless dancer, and oh, good. amongst others, um, you know. Um, out. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just, and the same thing is true now. When you look at Allison Mack again, I keep going to, back to Keith Rainier, you know, but, but Allison Mack with, with the, the the actress who's also standing trial with him. Um, 
if you look back at the time, uh, Deirdre Shaw, who was Angela Lansbury's um, daughter, who's on the periphery there of, of Manson. I mean, here's a girl from, a young woman from very, you know, and it's Angela Lansbury, murder she wrote, you know, a very famous celebrity. She's a girl from that family. You know, it's not just sort of the runaways, you know, that kind of thing that you would think the, the very right. more vulnerable girls. So it's it, everybody. It, it, it is seems like a, a Again, good I'm not a psychiatrist. I can't say who's, you know, but he did, with, once he had sort of gotten them into this fold, yeah, he did say, say you know, have them say, bah, like little sheep. But the, hmm. but the scary thing, one, one of the scary things is one get them into that, he would lure them in with all these being nice, yeah, I'll be your father figure. Once he got them in, at that point, he would beat them, um, scare them, mm. you know, do really horrible... And you know, I have met women who only people. respond to that. What was that? I have met women who yeah. only respond to that. Yeah. Oh. If you go to talk to them politely oh. and yeah. kindly and give them advice, the eyes glaze over and they're not there. So I tried an experiment one time, and that was I pretended to be the way I'm not. And that would be what? Saying? A real mean, manipulative asshole from hell and, and yelled at her, and, and right away she was paying attention. And then I stopped, and I said, the moral of the story is you only paid attention to me when I was mean to you. And how'd that go for you? Uh, that went great. She went, my God, you're right. <laughs> and she was so programmed by her life or whatever that if you weren't mean or you weren't forceful, it didn't have any weight to it. Now, I'm not a psychologist or psychiatrist either, although I've attended many of them. You're, you're a disc jockey from Walla Walla. That's right. But uh, I've, uh, there are people who only respond to that. Uh, give you a real quick example before we get back to the book. When I was 18 years old, this girl picked me up at a basketball game. We went back to my place and took her in my arms as she looked up at me and said, hurt me. A real man would know how to hurt me. So I told her she didn't know how to accessorize. Oh, she was devastated. Boy, you went a long way for that. That's a true story. Oh, oh That's okay. awful. That's really sad, Burl. It is. It is sad. It is sad. sad. If, I didn't hit her or anything. I just told guys, her she didn't know how to accessorize. Have you guys met women like that? You too. Have you two too? Um, I oh, I I. But you know what? I don't no. know that they're going to show that side to other women. Yeah. That probably comes out sexually with men. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, I think she's I mean, right. I, you know, I wouldn't know necessarily. I, but, I mean, there are a lot of bad, you know, bad, abusive family situations out there that produce troubled kids. And, you know, from all, like like Lee said, from all socioeconomic levels, and it doesn't matter. You know, if you've got a father who's a cheater and a drunk and, you know, is not a good father figure and isn't there for you. I mean, Susan Atkins' father, you know, she lost her mother to cancer at age 13, mm. and then her dad was just a drunk and, and was missing in, in action, and so she had no father figure. She had no parent, you know, so she got into a lot of trouble. She's out on the streets. She's you know, becomes a prostitute essentially, and is is making money using her body because she realizes that's what she can do, and she doesn't. You know, she gets into drugs, and and she thought that Charlie Manson was like the best man she'd ever met, and that was it for her. It took her a long time it, it, to get out of that mindset. 
after even being in prison and, and incarcerated. Yeah. Who was Squeaky from? And it wasn't just the women, though. Be, it, it, oh, we'll, um, we'll get to it. Finish, just, finish, finish. Well, Please finish. Go keep going, keep going. Yeah, it just, before we finish this, it, it wasn't just the women, though, because don't forget, Tex That's Watson a good point. Right. was a man. Yeah, but he was yeah, awful eager to murder people. Well, and Tex Watson had had a strong, overbearing mother figure. So, I mean, that's kind of how it works, right? You have a, daughters who have father issues. You have the, the young troubled men who have mommy issues and weak fathers. I mean, that was Tex Watson's situation. So, yeah, I mean, it's he got the men, too. It's not just women. Right. Mm. And with Tex Watson, what he said in his um, last parole hearing in – um, October of 2016, where I was, I mean, actually attended that, was the only press person there along with the victim's families. Um, and he said, you know, I was like three feet away from him when he said, when he was asked by by the parole officer, you know, why? Why was a God-fearing young man like you moving from Texas to move to, te to California to commit the worst crimes as this state has ever seen? And he just looked at the, with the parole officer. This is after all these years in prison. And he said, well, Charlie gave us love and acceptance, and, and I couldn't find a job. You know, all these things. Jeez. And the parole officer said, you know, you, you sound like one of my teenagers. This is a man who's 70 years old now. Arrested development. I mean, so, you know, yeah. Arrested development partly by doing too many drugs. Honestly, he had organic brain damage, you know, and he was a mess. How long so did he it... was very manipulatable? Oh. Um, and and when you said, well, how did he brainwash him? Well, Tex Watson was like chewing on belladonna root. He was. Oh. They were using mescaline. They were mm. doing, you know, LSD. They mm. were doing, you name it, every hallucinogenic drug. So he he was able to completely um, make their brains into mush, and then they believed whatever he told them. Yeah, there has to be a right. predisposition. Said, something witchy. There has to be a predisposition to buy BS on their part. I, have well, I think it was a combination, a combination of things, Roll. I think you're right. I think that's true. But there were the drugs, and then there was Manson and his, and his very unique intimidation techniques, which are actually probably not as unique. I don't think they're very unique. Leader. I think they're uh, they're well known and well used uh, in all manner right. of businesses and industries uh, by the corporate story product knowledge. By the way, if you want to take belladonna, you don't have to chew the root. Just buy some contact cold capsules and take all the red ones. That's belladonna. So, Which ones? The red ones. Well, I find it fascinating that you would know this, bro. I know all sorts of pharmacological nonsense. You know, they make methamphetamine out of whatever it is in Sudafed. Yeah, yes. well, that pseudo means fake. And so that's why the... Uh, because it's not ephedrine, it's pseudoephedrine, which means right. fake. Like uh, uh, dextromethorphan hydrobromide is fake codeine. And yeah, well, Texas I have on lots speed, of it too. So there you go. Did you, uh, here's a little tidbit for you. You know how much prescription meth costs if your doctor prescribes it? Which is, it is a legal prescription drug, by the way. Uh, 900, for what purpose? Uh, it's uh, for... Um, uh, various forms of uh, pain, of pa not pain. It's not a painkiller. Uh, it's to help with uh, uh, ADD or ADHD. A yeah, ADD, ADHD, or people such as myself who had uh, an injury to the alert center of the brain, uh, or for in extreme cases of wanting uh, to control diet and weight loss. Nine hundred and ninety-nine dollars for thirty ten milligram pills. 
You know how much speed wow. I can buy for $999? <laughs> yeah. That's big pharma for you. Well, uh, we better wow. tell people the name of the book again before we forget, because we still have time left. Hunting Charles Manson by Liz Wheel uh, with Caitlin Rother. One of, uh, I love the way you approach the book, uh, approach the story as if it's a cold case. You're not just rehashing the old thing, but you're starting from scratch and going from the beginning. And it must right. have been very difficult after f like 50 years to go back <laughs> even 20 years earlier for the backstory yes. on these people. That's, yes, so true, what, right. I'm, I'm a research uh, fanatic, as you know, if you've ever looked at any of my brilliant works. <laughs> research was, <laughs> was always my favorite thing until I got older and realized God is a lot of work. <laughs> That's why I started bringing in other people. Man, you're boring me. Jeez. I know. It's terrible. Uh, well, this, this was a challenge, I have to say. This was a challenging project for that reason, because it was so old and because a lot of the people who are involved are dead and because the law enforcement agencies who, um, you know, screwed this case up yeah. um, along the way and they, they did. were not cooperative. They were not helpful or cooperative. Oh, no, they don't want their errors exposed. Exactly. I was going to say probably, probably because they did screw it up. They didn't probably. want, yeah, they didn't right. want one more, one more analysis of it. Saying, you know, you guys screwed this and up, and they didn't share information. You're screwing it up. You know, but before you're screwing it up, maybe some of this tragedy could have been avoided, or certainly Manson could have been caught a lot faster. What know? about the so parole officers that weren't keeping track of it? Screwed it up. The parole guys that weren't keeping track of Manson. Oh, oh, exactly, exactly. Excellent point. What in, what was going on there? Why weren't they following? Why weren't they keeping better track of him? The idea that he was just able to run up and down the coast like that, grabbing all these, you know, runaways and teenagers and all of this, all these women. Um, I say grabbing. That's not that. I didn't mean it like that. Euphemistically, collecting to, to join them. Attracting is a better word. Thank you. Um, that is, you know, unbelievable. When he was on parole, um, is just astounding. Yeah, you were, was he supposed to check in occasionally? <laughs> let, let me, well, he he did in San Francisco. Um, the his parole officer from San Francisco, who had him for the first year, he said, you know, when he was under my supervision, you know, he had to come and see me every week, and sometimes he would go find Manson, and you know his apartment in Berkeley with Mary and uh, Lynette Fromm. You asked mm -hmm. who Squeaky Fromm is. That's who it is, Lynette Fromm. They lived together as the first, very first family members, and he would go surprise them, or, you know, he'd be staying over in the hate in a bus, and mm -hmm. he'd go find him over there. But after, you know, after he transferred his case down to L.A., that's when things fell apart. That's oh, they, they lost really, him then. They were not. Yeah, they, they sort, you know, they just believed what he said too much. They took his word for it. They came out to check on him a couple times at Spawn Ranch for the first time. Um, you know, and he just gave them a story, and they just took it. They, he, he manipulated them, too, and lied to them, and, and they didn't do enough to, to check out the, the stories. No, interesting. So he was he was raping women. He was you know he was he had to be violating strong. parole all over the place and violating stealing. women and raping parole. <laughs> yeah, he was doing it all. Anyway. Uh, he was a busy fellow so, and nuts. So, was, so he was. Let's talk yes. about this guy. Um, and I, so the first two were squeaky from. Yeah, Mary Brenner was the very first one, and he ended right. up getting her pregnant, and she had a son who actually was involved very recently in that estate battle for his uh, 
for his estate and, and the control of his remains. Um, and the set, you know, Lynette Fromm came right along, right along after, and then there was uh, Susan Atkins and Patricia Krenwinkel and um, Tex Watson came along. You know, so those were some of the earlier ones, and those are the ones that we focused on in the book because they were the ones who were co-defendants in in the murders. So, but Mary was not. Mary was was sort of tangentially involved in the Gary Hinman murder. Um, and Bobby Bosley. So that's a, that's another thing that I think is probably somewhat unique. I, you know, can't say we've read every single other book, but Bobby Bosley, Mary Brunner, some of those early um, family members who were not involved necessarily in the high, most high-profile murders. You know, we gave a face and a story to them so that you can see how all the dominoes sort of fell and how they all how this how these murders developed from the very beginning and not just the ones that everyone thinks they know about. Right. Now, one th other thing about your book that I think is important, and the book, of course, is called Haunting Charles Manson, is that you just don't dig up and make this relevant to 50 years ago. You point out in your book the certain characteristics, signs, symptoms, whatever, to dispel the thing of, oh, that's a one-time-only event. That could only have happened yeah. once. It could never happen again like that. And you point out nonsense. Right. And it's oh. happening now. And how, exactly. how, yeah. You have certain, not only sociological uh, and political situations, mental health situations, which, of course, were not addressed at that time very much at all. Right. And that can create an imperfect storm, shall we say. Right. With the, with the political divides, the racial divides, the cultural divides, I mean, I feel, I feel like we're in 1967 every day right now. I don't know about Lise, but that's how it feels to me. And when we were working on the book, it's like I just was seeing Manson and Manson family everywhere. It just it felt that way. You know, people seem, I mean, seem to forget about how many bombings were done in the United States in the late 60s, early 70s, that we had them, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. And people forget that. And now mm -hmm. if we have one, they go, oh, oh mm -hmm. a bombing. We had so many bombings then. Post offices, law enforcement agencies, mm -hmm. uh, FBI, whatever, all the time. We became almost uh, immune to it. For a while. And that's kind of how the shootings and the mass murders are, are right now. Uh -huh. At least it seems like every every day you've got some school shooting or the thing in Las Vegas or, you know, people running into crowds with their cars and trying to run people over. I mean, it's it's scary. Yeah, I'm afraid to leave the house because then again, something in the house could be plotting against me. <laughs> you never know. That's true. You never, the mirror, you know. Just the mirror. Be careful. I know there's an the old mirror. Jew in the mirror that wasn't there 30 years ago. What, what on earth possessed you guys to... <laughs> To, to, to go after the Manson story now? Well, be, be, I think because of those cultural entrants, I mean, just because of that, exactly because he is such a uh, infamous icon that it that it's not you're you're not just talking about somebody who you know killed a bunch of people and then you know move on and is never heard from again. It's just such an interesting cultural. He brings up such a cultural reference point. Um, I'll give you an example. When I first started to think about writing about Manson and and divulge you know de, de, you know really uh, devoting a couple years of my life to it and Caitlin as well. 
um, I m- mentioned to my son, okay, this is what I think I'm going to, this is a subject I think I'm going to be working on. And my son, who at the point was only 23, said, Mom, you sure, you, you sure that's safe? Now, for a 23-year-old to say that, first of all, it's very sweet. Um, but second of all, the, the, just the fact that he had a reference point, that he knew who Manson, Charles Manson was, told me, wow, that it means that here's a kid who is obviously not alive when Manson did the horrible things that he did is is means that for that, that it's a, still a culturally relevant mm-hmm. reference point, and that seemed to me important. That it's a historical thing that I wanted to write about. I didn't want to just write about some, you know, random serial killer, a bunch kill a bunch of people, and there's no, you know, historically re- important reference to it. This is an important, as you said, the 1960s, the late 1960s. It's an important time in history. This is a thriller, yes, and it's written as a thriller, yes, but it's also a historical thriller emphasis on his history here and that's how we researched it and wrote it I think it was brilliant, brilliant approach. You know, it reminds me of the true crime genre, which you're familiar with. You write, uh, you, you, in the past, you've written some great, like, murder mystery thrillers, things, you know, the Babysitter's Club grows up Thank and solves you. crimes, or whatever, whatever that was. But I really enjoyed those books. <laughs> And now you're doing this transition, uh, and true crime has always been a female-driven genre. The majority of people who buy true crime books are female, which makes our show a challenge because Outlaw Radio has a large male demographic. We figured we could turn them, you know, <laughs> turn them into true crime fans if we approach them. Into outlaws? Yeah. Into outlaws? Yeah, or? Yeah. No, turn them into true crime fans. Uh, oh, okay. Try to get men into true crime because uh, the, the, the bulk of true crime books are purchased by uh, by women, female human the beings. The bulk of the bulk of what books, period, are purchased by women. That's because they're literate and men are illiterate. That's my there you go. <laughs> yeah, because women read. Women read. Thank God that women read. Exactly. You know, I, you mentioned the historical thing. I keep bumping into people. If you mention the Holocaust, they go the what? Uh, you know, I wonder how many. Oh of my the, goodness, that is so sad. Of, of sad. the culturally relevant things that people should have, what they call a cultural literacy. Uh huh. That they don't have it. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, you know, the the reference points go back as far as the last episode of Judge Judy, <laughs> and that's it. Well, you know what I also what I also well, wanted to say is that, that you know pe- people like Lisa's son that's a good you know target audience for this book, but also the people who were there at that time mm-hmm. and think they know the whole story. I mean, I've been hearing from people reading it right now as they're going along. I had no idea there was so much more to this story, and that's because we were able to get new information about things that happened 50 years ago and That's it was amazing. a challenge and it was very difficult but it it we managed to uncover this stuff and there you know a lot of a lot of good stuff came out of these recent parole hearings where these family members you know some people are saying oh well they're just saying what what they think that the authorities want to hear in order to get parole but to me it seems like they're finally telling more of the truth also so you're looking was, at things with fresh eyes and one thing that, that i've learned right and that too in doing the research and doing my own true crime books is that at the time of the event sometimes things can be right in front of them but you don't see it because you're too close to it and you give right. some some years and space well, yeah and then you can just go well wait a second that's right that's real right there and no one noticed it 
Uh, yep. So that's what great. And like the police in particular. <laughs> yeah, really. And, and they were. Yeah, I was going to say exactly. Caitlin's, yeah. Caitlin's exactly right. I, she's, she's, yeah, she's exactly right. Or the police who, um, you know, I, Caitlin's being nice by saying, or they were because <laughs> they're just, you know, yeah, I think they were, they're just they're covering up, though. They're dunderheads. They're really, they're really, really stupid. Or they, I just think it was, they had their little fiefdoms and they each wanted to quote-unquote win right um and they wouldn't they wouldn't share and again again let's bring some relevance to today what happened in 9-11 fbi and cia didn't share information right exactly. you guys remember that mm -hmm. back that far that's that's not you know too long back in history same kind of thing happened i mean we can't have these things, or I guess we can, because it happens again and again. History keeps repeating itself, and you go back to 1969, and that's what happened with in the L.A. Um, in, in in the Los Angeles area between the sheriff and the PD. It happened right there. It's pretty blatant what happened. What should we really be looking? What, what, should, what should we be looking for today around us that is somewhat similar? Because you say history, and that you're 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 talking about. We're talking about Manson, but you're talking about it, 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 you're saying it's wider than that. It's wider than just Manson. It's going on today, you said. You've got people who are disgruntled. You've got people who are disillusioned. You've got people who are don't trust the government. You've got people who don't trust law enforcement. I mean, look at what's going on with this current whole. I don't. I don't even know how to characterize the people who believe this. But you know, there are people in this country right now who are actively trying to undermine the credibility of the FBI today. Right? Right. There are people who are actively trying to undermine the credibility of the police. And then there are a number of police agencies who've actually been doing things on their own that they shouldn't be doing. You know, shooting unarmed people in the back and what have you. So there's a lot of of, of disillusionment. There's a lot of unhappy people. There are a lot of people who do not. Support Support the establishment. Do not support authority. They want to have their own guns. They want to be able to protect themselves. It's it's that's the perfect storm that I'm seeing. And then you've got the opioid crisis, and you've got um, you've got all these people who are angry and uh, unhappy, and that's dangerous. And that's what Manson capitalized at the time, and it's happening again. And and you can't take these things separately when you have them all happening together. It it can't create a perfect storm. And then you get. Howard Beale. I'm mad as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Exactly. Well, that uh, came from then. Well, well, it, what it, what it, yeah, what it does is perfect storms like that allow for charismatic figures like right. like a, a, a bad doer, an evil doer like Manson. It allows for their little wiggle room way in to to prey on people and say, "I'll right. accept you. I'll accept you. You're mad. You're upset. Come to my little room. Come and be in my womb and my room. Be happy with me. I'll be." peace, love, and everything. And it's all great, and it's all groovy until it isn't. Until yeah. it turns like bad. Like running and with scissors or playing with lawn darts. It's all, it's all fine. Yeah. until it wasn't. Yeah. And boy, it can get ungroovy in a big hurry in the United States of America. So what are it we looking got for? ungroovy what are we, what are we, really fast. What are yeah. we looking for around us now? What should we? Well, have? so I, I want I wanted to kind of um, finish answering that question because yeah. when when I was on Facebook trying to find some sources for this, and there I did find a lot of people who were helpful. I found them in Facebook groups. These are closed secret groups. 
and there are a lot of people out there who talk to each other and they believe Manson was innocent when he was still alive at the time but there are a lot of people who who meet the criteria that I was describing about anti-establishment disillusioned um, don't trust law enforcement don't trust prosecutors I don't, don't you know I don't they, <laughs> Well, okay, so you can join this group too, but I'm just saying, there there are those people, and, and so I don't know that you can actually see them or have you can go looking for them. I mean, they came out because I posted, you know, hey, working on this book, um, let me know if you have any, you know, information or sources, and they, they wanted to help because they wanted the truth to come out, and what they wanted was something other than what it said in, in Helter Skelter, something right. other than the narrative that, that everybody has accepted for so long about Helter Skelter, and they want it because they said we feel like we've been lied to. So, so, and I don't know that you can go find these people because they're underground. I mean, if you go looking for them, you have to have something to draw them out. That's because they are very protective because they're scared. What's the book? Hunting Charles Manson by Liz Will. Uh, along with uh, Caitlin Rother, two of my favorite chicks in America. There you go. Uh, fast. Thank fast. you so much Thanks, for being on the show. Let's have them back. Yes. It's a fast hour. Good luck with Thanks, the book. guys. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, bro. Yeah. What's next? Magic Matt Allen and the Demons of Decadence, live from the Lighten Up Lounge on OutlawRadioLive.com. Radio Live.com.